بسم الله الرحمن الرحیم لا حول ولا قوت الا بالله العلی العظیم الحمد لله رب العالمین صلی الله علی سیدنا و نبینا عبالقاسم المصطفى محمد و علی آله الطیبین الطاهرین لا سیما بقیت الله فی الارضین عجل الله تعالى فرجه الشريف وجعلنا من أعوانه وأنصاره إن شاء الله Tonight I uh, inshallah try to complete our discussion about fear and hope Once a very pious alim in Tehran sat on member and he was called Sheikh Ja'far Shushtari he is the one who is very well known and he has also some books about Imam Hussein salam. but he was very good uh, reciter you know good speaker for majalis so when he sat on member he said I smell a smoke. Something is burning. So people were very frightened. Everyone stood up and, you know, someone went to check, you know, if there is something in the kitchen, for example, someone went to washroom. They checked everywhere. Some people wanted to leave the mask. Then the sheikh said, don't worry. I just wanted to test you. When someone like Ja'far Kazab, he called himself Ja'far Kazab, said a liar like me, warns you, you are so much frightened. But why is it that 124,000 of prophets the most truthful people on the earth have come and warned you about Akhirah, but you don't care. This is a very big question. If even a child you know, comes and says that now there is a fire in car park, all of you will go to see what is happening to your car. But so many prophets have come. Not only we are not acting as someone who is certain about Akhirah, we act as someone who even doesn't take that this is probable. Because even if we thought that this is possible, maybe these ayah of Quran, these verses of Quran about punishment, maybe they are true. We would have acted differently. But we act as people who are 100% sure that nothing is going to happen. Why? There must be a problem. We must work on our heart. So this is the reason that we focus on this concept of khawf. There must be this khawf, this fear inside our heart. 
And this must cause some determination, some work, some struggle. A sort of hope and fear that make you act, make you be pious. This is very much needed. But at the same time, we must be hopeful. Because if there is no hope, then the fear will not make you move. The only time you go, for example, to check whether there is a fire in car park or not, is that when you have hope that you can do something, if you know that your car is already burnt, so you will not go there. You will phone insurance. You will not go to check. So, there must be a hope. If there is no hope, if I say, as we said last night, if I say, okay, for sure, there is no chance for forgiveness. For sure, I will be treated as enemies of Allah. I will be put in the same place as criminals. For sure, Allah will not treat me with mercy. For sure, I will not, you know, be able to be one of the true servants of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If I say, for sure, this is going to happen, so I will not do anything. A person who is ill, this illness causes him to do something, to go to see the doctor or physician. But if a person is ill and he has no hope for treatment, this person does not do anything. Okay. All doctors have said you cannot do anything. So this person just waits and wastes his time. So it's very important that we must have fear and hope. And if you want to be sure that our fear and hope are in the right place, we must see whether they cause us more attention, more alertness, more struggle, more efforts, or not. There is a hadith from Imam Sadiq alayhi salam, The narrator says, قُلْتُ لَهُ قَوْمٌ يَعْمَلُونَ بِالْمَعَاسِي وَيَقُولُونَ نَرْجُو There are some people who act sinfully and they say we have hope. We are hopeful. فَلَا يَذَالُونَ كَذَالِكَ حَتَّى يَأْتِيَهُمُ الْمَوْتِ They keep committing sins till they die. فَقَالْ Imam said, هَاُلَاءِ قَوْمٌ يَتَرَجَّحُونَ فِي الْأَمَانِي كَذَبُوا لَيْسُوا بِالْرَاجِينَ Imam said, these are not the people who have hope. These are the people who are too ambitious. These are the people who go after you know, dreams, not after real hope. They are just deceiving themselves. A student who doesn't study and says, I have hope. This is deceiving himself. If you don't study, how can you have hope? 
if I don't know how to drive, and then I take the car and go to motorway, how can I say I have hope that I will reach safely? I'm deceiving myself. Man raja shay'an talabahu. If you have hope, you must work for it. Whoever has hope for something makes efforts. وَمَنْ خَافَ مِنْ شَيْئِنْ هَرَبَ مِنْ If someone has fear about something, he will escape from that. If you see someone is relaxed, so there is no fear. If someone is relaxed, there is no hope. Hope and fear must be accompanied by efforts. So this is very important. Shaitan has a very dangerous policy. Before we commit sin, this is what uh, the late Marhum Bahari Hamedani said. He was a great alim, Bahari Hamedani. He says, Shaitan has a very bad policy. Before we commit sin, he says, don't worry, do it, you will be forgiven. There are lots of hope. So many verses of Quran about forgiveness of Allah and so on and so forth. So he tries to make you very hopeful so that you commit the sin. As soon as you commit the sin, you regret. Then you want to make repentance. Then Satan says, no, there is no hope. Why do you want to repent? Allah will not forgive you. You have deliberately committed sins. Tawbah is a very important quality of good people, pious people. You will never be forgiven. Enjoy your life and commit more sins. So, before committing sin, he says there are lots of hope. After you commit sin, he tries to get away the chance of repentance. What should we do? He says, this RF says, we should have a counter policy. Before we commit sin, we must say to ourselves that, who knows that I am going to be forgiven? Who said I will be lucky enough to have chance for repentance? Maybe I die. Maybe that sin is some sin that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will never forgive. Because you know, there are certain acts that Allah's pleasure is attached to them. And you don't know. So you must not underestimate any good act. Sometimes just saying some words to someone, sometimes visiting a person who is, for example, in hospital, or maybe a very small thing, causes Allah's pleasure. So never underestimate any good act. And on the other hand, there are some bad acts that if you commit, you will never be forgiven. You don't know who is that, which one is that act. You must always be careful. Maybe this is the one for which I will never be forgiven. So before committing some sin, we must be very cautious. But if God forbids, we do something wrong, 
we must be sure that if we really regret, if we really repent, Allah will forgive us. Okay, so this is to overcome the tricks of shaitan. So there must be fear, there must be hope, and we must know where to stress on which one. A very important idea which we raised last night is to have great hope, great faith in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala treats us in the way that we expect Him. There are many, many verses of the Quran and hadith which suggest that we must have hope, we must have trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Just if you look at Du'ai Abu Hamza Thumali, there are many phrases in this du'a. I have just chosen some of it to see how much Imam Sajjad salam focuses on this idea that I have had hope in you. So how can you disappoint me? You know, if someone comes to you and say, I have come from very long journey, long distance. Because I was told that you are a very good person, very kind person. So do you disappoint that person? If you are a noble person, you will never disappoint him. If you can do something, you will do for him. Imam Qazim in a dua says, If I knew that by giving me something, by forgiving me, you will lose, I will never have asked you to do this favor for me. I will have asked you to give me patience. But I know that you are not going to lose anything. So how are you going to disappoint me? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will never disappoint any person who has attached hope to him. For example, in this phrase, inshallah later you go and you know, reflect on these phrases and passages from Dua Abu Hamza. وَقَدْ رَجَوْتُ أَلَّا تَخِيبَ بَيْنَ ذَيْنِ وَذَيْنِ مُنْيَتِي فَحَقِّقْ رَجَائِي So I had the hope that you will never disappoint me. So fulfill my hope. Accomplish my hope. Don't disappoint me. Then later Imam says, I am seeking for your promise. What was the promise? مَا وَعَدْتَ مِنَ الصَّفْحَ أَمَّنْ أَحْسَنَ بِكَ وَنَّ This is your promise that you said whoever has good expectation about you. You are going to forgive him. So he says, I just want that. I want you to keep your promise. Not disappoint me. In another place, Imam Sajjad alayhi salam says, Afaturaka ya Rabbi, tukhlifu dhununana. 
Tell me. Are you the one who disappoints our hope? The expectations that we have had about you. Are you going to ignore all those expectations? You are noble. You are generous. You will never do that. This is not the way that we knew you. This is not the way that you have introduced yourself to us. This was not our expectation from you. Ya Rabbi, inna lana fika amalan tabilan kathira. My Lord, we have lots of hope, lots of faith in you, lots of trust in you. Inna lana fika raja'an azima. Asainak, it is true, I admit that we disobeyed you. But at the same time that we were disobeying you, we knew that we are disobeying a noble person, a generous person, a person who doesn't easily get angry with us. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the Quran says, Ya ayyuhal insan, ما غرك بربك الكريم. Oh man, what has made you so negligent that you have disobeyed your noble, your generous Lord? And some people say, Allah Himself is teaching you the answer. What has made you to disobey your noble and generous Lord? His nobility and generosity. So he's himself teaching you what to say. If we knew that Allah is someone that as soon as I commit a sin, he will kill me. If I say some, tell lies, I will be, for example, you know, not able to speak. If I... For example, didn't say my prayer, he will not send me my sustenance, my risk. If I do something wrong about the people, quickly my children will die. If Allah was such a person, we would never have, you know, committed any sin. Because we knew that this person has no mercy. Like, you know, the kings or unjust people, rulers. No one dares to disobey them. But why... We dare to disobey Allah. Not because he is weaker. Because we know that he is very merciful. And unfortunately we misuse. So Imam Sajjad says, We have hope that you will cover our bad things. And we call you because we have hope that you will answer to us. And 
Many places, just one more from the ayah Abu Hamza, Imam Sajjad says, وَلَكَ خَالِصُ الرَّجَائِ وَخَوْفِ This is summary of our discussions last night and today. وَلَكَ خَالِصُ الرَّجَائِ وَخَوْفِ My pure hope and fear is only, are only attached to you. It's only you that I have hope to help me, to forgive me. And it's only you that I have fear from. Unfortunately, most of us easily get frightened. Maybe if someone has, you know, a small power and, you know, for example, just threats us, we get frightened. Although my rest, my life is not in his hand, but I become frightened. If my, for example, boss tells me something, oh, I say, oh, I'm going to die. If this man, you know, fires me, what I'm going to do? But these are not going to do anything, any harm, unless Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala permits. But when it comes to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we become very relaxed. This is the play that Satan, you know, plays with us. Instead of encouraging us to use this hope and expectations to work harder, makes us relaxed. So we must be always trying to feel that we are on edge. We are like a person who is on bridge, a very narrow bridge. Indeed we are. We are on Sarat. Sarat is not something which happens just in Akhirah. In every moment we are on Sarat. Either we keep going or we fail and drop. Every moment. Sarat is manifestation of what is happening in this dunya. We must have hope so that we continue, we keep going, and we must have fear so that we don't become tempted to say, okay, let me drop myself. So we must always be very cautious, very careful, very alert. But in the end, we must know that we have very merciful God. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, if looks at our heart and sees there is sincerity, there is truth, then Allah definitely will forgive us, without any doubt. If he sees that I have committed some bad things, but I really, sincerely regret and I have hope of being forgiven, he will definitely forgive me. Of course, a sign of real regret is to restore damages that you can restore. I'm not talking about that. But what is important is to have sincere regret. This is very important. 
So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala must be always considered and thought about as the most merciful person. Even more merciful than our parents. Even more loving us than ourselves. The love that Allah has for any of us is more than the love that we have for ourselves. More than the love that mothers have for their children. No one can exhaust the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for his human being, for his creatures. Especially he has very specific love for sinners. Those who commit sins. Prophet Isa alayhi salam asked Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala something similar to this. That if I want someone to pray for me, if there is a special, for example, request, I want someone to pray for me so that Certainly his prayer is answered. Allah said, ask sinful people to pray for you. Because a sinful person who regrets, his heart is broken. He feels that he has no value. He's not proud of himself. So if he prays for you, you will be given your request. In a divine saying, in Hadith Qudsi, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, لو علم المدبرون كيف اشتياقی بهم لما تو شوقن If the people who have turned their back to me knew how much love I have for them, if they knew how I am waiting for them to return, they would have died out of eagerness. They would never understand how much I love them to come back. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is looking for some excuse to forgive us. We must bring at least a little thing so that Allah can say, okay, I am forgiving you. It's true that, you know, in Farsi, uh, there is a saying, controversial saying. Some people say, Beheshtra bebahadahand, na bebahane. Means there is a value, there is a cost for heaven. They will never give you with excuses. You must pay for it. You cannot just bring some excuses. If you want to buy heaven, there is a cost for it. But some people say, Behesh ra bebahane dahand, na bebaha. And both are correct. It depends how you look at it. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives heaven just with excuses. No one can say, I have paid the cost. Where is your money coming from? It's like, you know, someone, a child, you know, who is going to buy 
from shop of his father. Where is his <laughs> pocket money coming from? And then he said, oh, daddy, I have paid you. Okay, thank you. So, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala n- never receives anything from us. But it's good, at least, you know, we have some excuse. So, this excuse doesn't mean that we must deceive ourselves, you know, and, you know, forget our responsibility. But it means that, in the end, we must know that whatever we do is not enough. Whatever we do is not sufficient. But, let's bring something that, for that, Allah can forgive us. Allah needs some excuse. You know, if a judge is very merciful... But he needs something, you know, so that, say, okay, according to this, I can forgive you. Otherwise, he will be questioned by all criminals. He would say, okay, why you forgave this man and didn't forgive me? So there must be something that Allah can say, okay, this man, for this reason, is going to be forgiven. For example, we have that if... You learn from a knowledgeable person. If you learn from an alim. You may be forgiven for that. Because you have learned something and acted. We have that even if you look at door of the house of alim. This is considered as worship. And nazaru ila bab al-alim. Let alone you look at his face. But if you look at just the book, Allah says, okay, my angels, this man was looking to the house of Alam. So I will follow. And Ayatollah Mujtahidi Tehrani, you may have heard about him. He runs a school in Tehran. He's the best hose in Tehran. Maybe one of the best. He said, there is a hadith, I didn't see myself, but he said, and he's very familiar with hadith, that if you sit in the place on which Alam was sitting, you will be forgiven. So when he said this hadith, and he stood up, he went and sat on his place. Why? For some excuse. Allah is looking for some attitude, but something good, something valuable. This shows that you must be attached to the learned people so you can learn. When people are asked to go to heaven, people go. But ulama are stopped. Allah says, you shouldn't go yourselves. Stay and make shafa'ah for whoever has learned something from you and acted. So ulama will do shafa'ah for them. Allah is looking for some excuse. There is a very beautiful hadith which is authentic. And it shows how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is merciful. But he must find something valuable so that he can say, okay, this is an excuse. This is authentic hadith in Tafsir Ali ibn Ibrahim Qummi. You know Ali ibn Ibrahim Qummi was a great scholar. And 
Kuleini narrates many hadiths from him in his coffee. And uh, he's a very famous narrator of hadith. And his father was Ibrahim ibn Hashem. He was also another big narrator of hadith. So he narrates from Imam Sadiq alayhi salam. From the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. This is in Tafsir Qummi, volume 2, page 264 and 265. The very last person who is asked to go to Jahannam. So, all people are judged. This is the last person. It means that he was just a little bit, you know, on the wrong side. Because he was the last person. He could be the last person to go to heaven. Yeah, he's in middle. So this person, when he's asked to go to Jahannam, stops. And looks back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Of course, not by physical eyes, but he attends to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Thinks about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. فَيَقُولُ الْجَبَّارِ رُدُّهُ Allah says, bring him back, give him a chance to speak. Why he turned back? فَيَرُدُّونَهُ Angels will bring him back. فَيَقُولُ لَهُ لَمَتَّفَلْتَ لَمَلْتَفَلْتَ Why did you turn back? فَيَقُولُ يَا رَبِّي لَمْ يَكُنْ ذَنِّي بِكَ هَذَا He says, my Lord, this was not what I thought about you. I never thought that you are going to send me to Jahannam. So now, I am wondering why you are sending me to Jahannam. So Allah says, what was your expectation? What was the way you were thinking about me? My expectation was that you would forgive me and make me settle and dwell in heaven. فَيَقُولُ الْجَبَّارِ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, يَا مَلَائِكَتِ O my angels, لَا وَإِزَّتِ وَجَلَالِ وَآلَائِ وَعُلُوِّ وَارْتِفَاءِ مَكَانِ Allah says, by my dignity, my glory, my blessings, my uh, highness. He swears by all these things, مَا ذَنَّبِي عَبْدِي سَاعَةً مِنْ خَيْرٍ قَتْوَ Allah says, by all this, he never had good expectation about me. He never thought about me, even for a short time, 
in the way that he said. لو ذن نبي ساعة من خير ما رضعته بالنار if for a while he had this hope just for a while in the night of Qadr at least he had this hope in few minutes in Majlis he had this hope ما رضعته I never would have even frightened him to go to Jahannam what does it mean? He doesn't say, I will never have sent him to Jannah. He even frightened him. But then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Ajizu lahu kezbah. But this, you know, what he said, it was lie. But Allah says, okay, act according to what he says. Although he never, you know, had this really in his heart when he was in dunya. But suppose that we don't know his reality. Just accept what he says. You know, someone who is very generous, he doesn't look at the heart of the people. When they know that you ask them, you know, once... I don't know if you have heard... uh, Ayatollah Saduqi, who was martyred uh, after revolution, he was a Friday leader of Yazd. And he was uh, a very strong alim in Yazd. And when he was in Qom, he was giving shahriya of uh, some maraja. And he had such a great memory that he was giving shahriya to all talabe without writing. With his memory, he remembered that to whom he has given and to whom he hasn't. And this story is about him as long as I remember. It's 90% about him, maybe about some other, but 90% about him. Once a talab took his shahriya from him. But... He had, you know, maybe some need, for some reason he needed more. And he said, this man is not really remembering, you know. Just because talabah are pious, so he knows that no one goes twice. And this is why he can, you know, manage. So whoever goes, he gives, and he knows that these people are pious. So he said, there is nothing, you know, preventing me of going and asking him for a second time. So he went to Ayatollah Saduqi. And ask again for Shahriya. I told us that he gave him the money and just whispered to his eyes, You have taken two eyes. But he gave him the money. This is what generous people do. They don't shout, say, Why you have come again? If, of course, if they can, if they are permitted to do. So he said, He gave me money and then just said silently, that you have taken twice. So they just look at the way you express your need. They don't look at sometimes your reality. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Ajizu lahu kezbahu. This kezb is not a bad kezb. This is tamaluk. This is something, a sort of flattering. But not because you want to 
say something that that person doesn't deserve. Because flattery is normally you say something which that person doesn't deserve. But here flattery means to say something which is true, but you didn't have the faith in that. This is permitted. This is halal flattering. If you tell your wife that I am very grateful of what you do for me. You may not be grateful in your heart. But still this is good. Please tell that. At least she knows you appreciate what she does for you. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said this man is flattering. But it's okay. Ajizu. Accept. But there must be a reason that why those other people who were sent to Jahannam, they couldn't say this. Why they didn't say this? Because if they had said this, definitely they were also forgiven. Because this person, as I said, was in middle. There must be some good points in his heart. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala somehow himself inspired him to tell this. See, he teaches you how to ask him. ثُمَّ قَالَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ When the Prophet mentioned this, he said, لَيْسَ مَنْ عَبْدٍ يَظُنُّ بِاللَّهِ خَيْرًا إِلَّا كَانَ إِنْدَ ذَنْهِ بِهِ There is no servant of Allah that has good hope. Good expectation from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Except that Allah acts and treats him in the way that he has expected. So always have great expectations. Always think that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give you whatever you ask him. Then the Prophet mentioned this ayah of Quran. وَذَلِكَ قَوْلَهُ وَذَلِكُمْ ذَنُّكُمُ الَّذِي ذَنَنْتُمْ بِرَبِّكُمْ أَرْدَاكُمْ فَأَسْبَحْتُمْ مِنَ الْخَاسِرِينَ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells the people who were unbelievers, the people who were sent to Jahannam, that this is what you yourself wanted. I told to some brothers, I don't know if you have mentioned this meeting or not, uh, about Fir'aun. Did I mention about Fir'aun here? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wanted to punish Fir'aun. You know, Fir'aun was a very criminal person. There, were, there have been many, many, you know, bad people, unjust people. But Fir'aun was special. He was challenging Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's Lordship. Not only he said, I am a Lord, I am God. He said, Ana Rabbukumul A'la. I am your greatest Lord. And you know, he killed many innocent people, many children, many men of Bani Israel. He did lots of corruption. He made people separated. Bring, brought division among people. Ja'ala ahlaha shia'a. Shia means groups. 
So, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wanted to punish Pharaoh. But he said, let's ask him himself what sort of punishment he thinks would be appropriate. You know, this is something merciful. You know, they ask you about what is your opinion. So, an angel went to Pharaoh, looked as a man, went to Pharaoh, and said, suppose you have a servant. This servant has nothing. But you gave him everything. You gave him knowledge, you gave him power, you gave him respect, you gave him a status. You made him the first person in your territory. But this person disobeys you. Instead of being thankful to you, he disobeys you. Not only he disobeys you, he kills whoever obeys you. Not only he kills whoever obeys you, he even challenges your power. He wants to replace you. What would you do with this person? He said, I would make him drone. This is the most difficult way that Pharaoh thought he could punish this person. Because, you know, it's uh, taking in a while. So this person must be droned. This is the way he expected himself. Why Prophet Yusuf was imprisoned? Couldn't Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala solve the problem without being imprisoned? Some people say very beautifully that indeed it was Yusuf himself who brought this idea. When the women of Egypt asked him for haram, what did he say? He said, Rabbi as-sajnu ahabbu ilay mimma yad'unan ilay. He said, my Lord, to be imprisoned is better than what they say. When they say this. So he himself brought this idea. So Allah said, okay. We listen. You said, to be prisoned is better? Okay. We protect you from the temptations of these women, but you must be prisoned. He cannot complain. Because he himself was happy with this. So we must always have good hopes. Always, you must say, inshallah, Allah will forgive me. Inshallah, Allah will make my children very good people. Inshallah, I will be among true and genuine followers of Imam Zaman. Inshallah, in Akhirah, I will be not only, Inshallah, myself in heaven, I will make, Inshallah, Shafa'a for people. Lots of great hope. Rabbana hablana min azwajina wa zurriyatina gurrata ayun wajalna lil muttaqina imama. You don't ask just to be one of the pious people. You ask to be leader of the pious people. You must have great ambitions. Then, if this is your expectation, and you make some efforts, 
then Allah inshallah will give you. If you don't have such ambition, you will never work for that. You will aim for something lower. And always, you know, you come lower than what you aimed at. You know, one alim asked his son, who was just a talabe, you know, in the very elementary level. What do you like to become? Who is your, you know, role model? He was alim, great alim. He said, I want to be like you. I want to become a big alim like you. He said, there is no hope for you. He said, why? He said, I wanted to become Imam Sadiq and I became this. I wanted to be a true follower of Imam Sadiq. Now I am this. If you want to become like me, then you will become nothing. You must have great expectations, great hopes, make efforts, and then definitely... Allah is acting according to expectation of his faithful servant.